which brings us to the creative techniques is you're going direct to seller. That's the point of all of this. You're not waiting for people to come to you. You are going to them and you're planting that seed in their head. There's so many people that you, you'll speak to them the first time. They're like, stop freaking calling me. I don't want to sell. Why are you calling me? I never, when I want to sell, put a sign on my yard. That's the most common response, right? But what ends up happening is they leave their home and they start seeing, oh, this guy's selling the house. That guy down the street's selling their house. My other neighbor's selling their house. Now they're like, well, shoot. Yeah, maybe I should sell my house. And what happens? A few weeks later, you follow up, right? Even though they got pissed at you, you follow up and you're like, hey, just want to check in, see if you had any questions. We're like, yeah, you know, I'm thinking about it now. Like, okay, now I'm the only one talking to them. You understand? Nobody else is talking. We just closed the property in January that we did our first initial contact with them last December. And their response to us last December was go F yourself. That was their response to us. I didn't stop. I was like, I put them in my follow-up system every month, a little text message here, a little phone call there, called them this December. They're like, oh my God, you must be sent from up above. Oh my God, I wanted to sell. Thank you so much. You know, what a blessing. Like, yeah, you cursed me out like seven times, but this time I'm a blessing, right? So, but where's the advantage? I'm the only one talking to them. They didn't go to seven, eight other realtors and now they're all negotiating who can sell better. I'm not doing any of that. I'm not competing with anybody, just them and me. You understand? So different ways that you can do this is direct mail, um, paper clicks, billboard, radio, TV ads. These are expensive. All right, they work, but they're expensive. Some are working better than others. Billboards, we've seen them work better in the lower ends of town, right? Though your sub 100, $150,000 properties that are a lot more dense. They have those uh, uh, smaller streets that you have space to put up a billboard. We've seen them work pretty well in those areas, but they're expensive. Billboards are expensive, so are TV ads. Um, direct mail right now, the people that I know that are succeeding in direct mail, they're spending over $10,000 a month on direct mail. They're making 30, 40,000, but you gotta have the 10 grand to spend for three, four, maybe six months before that money starts trickling in. So it's a big investment. It works. There are a lot of direct mail providers that they'll do handwritten postcards, handwritten letters. They have these machines that use a ballpoint pen, ballpoint marketing is one of the companies that I've used in the past. Um, they're great, they're awesome looking letters, but they're just so damn expensive. You know, it makes marketing so, so expensive. Now, the next way to do it is you're contacting the seller directly. I mean, all these strategies, the goal is you wanna speak to the seller as quickly as possible, right? So the, the first one, all those strategies requires the seller to reach out to you. The second one is you reaching out to the seller. So this is cold calling, which usually scares a lot of people, text messaging, uh, and door knocking. When I started, there was nothing I wouldn't do. Uh, I was hungry. <laughs> I'm a high school dropout. I didn't, you know, I didn't have any degrees or anything to fall back on. So I needed to make this work. And I went door knocking. You know, I had people threaten me, people pull out shotguns on me. You know, it got exciting at times, 
but it's one of those things that's, you know, it's up to you whether you go. I recommend don't start on the east side right away. Um, I didn't know San Antonio at the time very well, so it was, it was scary. Um, but it was fun. And cold calling is cold calling text messaging is where we get right now probably 85 to 90% of our deals. We go directly to the seller. We are calling these people directly. As soon as they pick up, I'm talking to the owner. And the best part by far of cold calling, the number one part is you get a million first impressions. What do I mean by a million first impressions is you can call them today, talk to them, completely screw up the call, call them in two weeks, and they don't know it was you. How do I know this? Because I call people first time calling them. I told you to stop effing calling me. I'm going to kick your ass if you call me again. It was my first time calling them. And I've called people, this is like my fifth time calling them. They're like, oh, who are you? Oh, okay. You know, we're having a conversation like they've never spoken to me before. You understand? So I love cold calling because when I started, my phone would ring when I put out some direct mail or anything like that. And I would look at it. My hands start shaking. I would get nervous. I was like, I don't know what to say. You know, the, the call would stop. And I'm like, boom, <laughs> that one's over. Um, cold calling gets you through that fear quickly. You break through those barriers because you got to be good on the phone. As an agent, I'm sure you know that. You got to be good on the phone. You got to be able to speak to these people, figure out what their pain points are, make that connection, build that rapport because you want them liking you and working with you. The bulk of the deals that we do are purely because people like us. There are so many times we've gotten deals and the person says, you know, you were the lowest offer, but I like you. I feel like you're going to really take care of me. You understand? And it's like, good. You know, and there's other ones that, that we've gotten that's like, I don't like you. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry to, you know, I'm sorry to hear that. Uh, I try my best. You know, if you ever need anything, let me know. Um, it's You're not going to please everybody, but building the rapport matters. And being on the phone or even through text messages, I've negotiated whole deals almost up until the closing without ever speaking to the homeowner. I was like, guy, I'm not buying a couch. Like, I'm really buying a house here. Pick up your damn phone, you know? And it's all been through text messages. There are people that they like to talk on the phone. There are people that they like to talk through text. I don't know who I'm dealing with. So I want to diversify the way I reach to, out to them. The other thing is text messaging, cold calling is very inexpensive. You can do this with your own phone or you can do what some people do is they buy burner phones and you do it that way. Either way, very inexpensive to do. And it's very, very, very uh, profitable and successful. We we do it. We do it day in and day out. And we have really good success doing this stuff. Um, so what, what do you have to do when you're doing a uh, direct-to-seller like cold call on our text messaging? You got to do what's, what's called a skip trace. When I started 10 years ago, skip tracing somebody would cost you anywhere from $15 to $25 a person. Right now, it costs you anywhere from 10 to 15 cents a person. But before, we were hiring private detectives. They were the ones doing the skip tracing. Um, now, you have services everywhere. We use uh, Batch Skip. We use another one called Skip Force. They're local. Uh, we use Skip Genie. Uh, right now, we're using Skip Genie primarily. They've been giving us the best results. If you're dealing with probates, you want to use a service called Clear Skip. The reason, 
So, so yeah, I'm going to explain that. The reason you want to use ClearSkip is because they find relatives. So they have a service where they, they're able to pull the relatives information, not just the owner. And what skip tracing is, you're going to put the address, the person's name that you can get when you pull these lists. You either get it from the county data, you can get it from any of these uh, list providers when you pull the lists. You're going to put their address and their name on this form that uh, the skip tracing services give you. And they're going to provide you where anywhere from one to 10 possible phone numbers for this person, along with maybe one, two, three, or four email addresses to this person. So they're providing you with possible ways for you to contact this, uh, this, this individual. Yes, 10 to 15 cents per hit. Yeah, so uh, if you do bulk with a lot of these companies, the price goes down. So you always have those options, but like I said, they're, they range between 10 and 15 cents a hit. Um, so very, very, very affordable compared to what I used to have to pay, you know, about $20 a lead. Um, and you get all this information and then you start hitting each one of those phone numbers because not all those phone numbers actually belong to the owner. There's a lot of them that could have been an ex, could have been somebody that might've known the owner. So you got to call through all of them to figure out who actually, you know, which phone number belongs to the person that owns this house, right? So that becomes a little tedious, but it's something that not many people like to do because it's work, but it works. You understand? So that's what you got to think about when you're getting into creative real estate. It's not the easiest thing, but it works. And when it works, I'm talking about you're not making, you know, an extra three grand. I'm talking about you're making 20, 25, 30 grand. You understand? So... To me, the trade-off is kind of worth it. And as you do this enough times, you grow a business. We get virtual assistants. We get other people. We got a lot of virtual assistants over from the Philippines at four to $5 an hour that they're blowing through these phone numbers trying to find which phone number belongs to the owner. When they do that, I contact them. I just need them to blow through all the bad numbers as quickly as possible, right? So th that's what we're doing. Did you have a question, ma'am? Brenda, Barbara? I did. Does it include the do uh, so depending on the service, they include do not call numbers. Yeah, it, it tells you which ones are the do not call. It tells you which ones are the most likely to uh, be litigious. Um, so they have a, a thing there. I don't advise you to call or not call the do not call numbers. That's an option for you to make on your own. Um, can you possibly get sued for calling somebody? You can get sued for anything. I'm getting sued right now from a contractor that has no reason to sue me. Doesn't stop them from doing it, right? So it's a risk, but it works. You know, I've done it. We do probably, I don't know, north of 50,000 calls a month. Never once have I gotten sued. I haven't started doing this yesterday. I've been doing this for years. So, you know, I, but I do want to put that disclaimer out there for you guys to know it is a possibility. Any questions on this? Nope. Uh, and then lastly, you don't want to do any marketing. You don't want to talk to sellers. You don't want to do any of that, which I would imagine as you guys being agents, that's not, you know, true. But you can always buy from wholesalers. Who are wholesalers? Wholesalers are the people that are doing the marketing. They're the ones doing all this direct mail, cold calling, text messaging. They're doing all of that, negotiating it, getting these properties on the contract. And then they try to uh, sell their rights to that contract to investors, buyers, whoever wants to buy it. And we're going to go a little bit deeper on uh, 
wholesaling properties later. Creative ways. So the traditional route is direct purchase using a transfer of deed. Creative techniques includes option or assign. So an option, you get a property on the contract with an option, right? You got that option period. During the option period, you can find a motivated buyer or somebody, an investor for that property. When you find that investor, you can assign your rights to that investor of your contract, right? You're not selling the house. You're assigning your rights to the contract, to that seller. So you negotiated a set price with terms, with a closing date, whatever it may be, you negotiated that with the seller. Now you are assigning that contract, all those terms to your end buyer, and you are charging a fee for that. Why do you get to charge a fee for that? Because that buyer is not going to get that property unless you do that kind of work beforehand. Those buyers don't know how to do that marketing. They don't have the time to do the marketing. They may not want to do that marketing. So they're going to pay you to do it. That's what you're getting paid to, uh, to do. You're getting paid for that legwork because also when you're doing all this marketing, it's not every number you call is going to be a deal. Trust me, you're going to call a bunch of numbers and speak to a ton of people that it never works out to be something. So you're putting in a lot of legwork and you should be compensated by when that legwork pays out and you get a great deal that makes sense for that end buyer. It makes sense that you get compensated. Does that make sense? So at that point, you can wholesale and assign the property. Contract for deed, we're putting that on here just for you guys to know if you heard of it. It's not legal in Texas, so it doesn't really matter. And lease option, it's okay to purchase, not to sell. So lease options from, uh, I've been in Texas for 10 years, so this was before my time of getting here. Uh, it became illegal to do in 2005 because a lot of people were abusing it and take, took advantage of uh, a lot of sellers and stuff like that. So now the only way lease options are legal is you can buy from a seller a property using a lease option, which is kind of like you've heard of rent to own. So it's that strategy and you can buy it as long as you're not the one that's going to be living in the property. If you buy it with a rent to own and you're going to sublease or rent it out to somebody else, then it's legal. Where it's, it becomes illegal is if you are going to buy it with a rent to own and you are going to move into the property. That's not legal in Texas. Why? One bad apple screws it up for everybody else. New York, other places, this strategy is gold. Works amazing, you know? But like everything, you know, the one bad apple just kind of screws it up for all of us. You have so many strategies that, yeah, and that's why I tell people, you got to understand your market. You got to speak to the title companies, to attorneys, because every state has its laws, right? There are some states that use title companies. There's other states that use fee attorneys. Um, they, they close different ways, different strategies are allowed. Other strategies are banned. Like right now I've heard that Georgia has come out very, very, uh, against Airbnbs. So they're like only giving you like one permit per person to have an Airbnb. So every person can only have one Airbnb. So for people that wanted to do a lot of them, they were kind of, you know, hit hard by that new ruling. So. Every state, every place has its own thing. You got to get educated. You can't just assume because you did it in one place, one way, it's going to be the same somewhere else. In New York, we could do lease options, sandwich lease options. I mean, all day long. It was, you know, it was awesome. Here, you can't. 
but you have other strategies here that we're going to cover that are a way to bypass that option. You know, how to do those lease options and things like that. It's, yeah. Clear SK. Yes, clear skip. Okay, and it's basically like a peak. Yeah, so that one is good for probates because it searches for the relatives. Uh, the other ones, I, I wouldn't use that one for regular, for when you're looking for regular people because it's a little pricier. Uh, the ones I would use for regular people is going to be uh, skip, uh, skip Genie or Skip Force. Force. Um, those are the two I will use when you're trying to skip for the actual homeowner. Uh, but if you're dealing with probates and you're, you have somebody that's deceased, you want to try to find the relatives, right? And that's what clear skip does very well. They're able to find, I think they give you like, uh, two to four possible relatives and a few phone numbers for each one. So, and you're able to reach out to the relatives. And when I reach out to the relatives, I reach out to them the same way. Hey, I was calling you about the house on one, two, three Elm. Uh, just wanted to know if you're interested in selling, right? I know they don't live there. I know they're a relative, but they don't know I know that. So they got to correct me. And one thing people love to do is correct you when you're wrong. So you you make that assumption, they're correcting me. They're like, oh, that's not my house. Really? That's, that's so strange. Do you not know the person that lives there? Oh, yeah, my daddy used to live there. Oh, okay. What do you mean you said? Did he sell it? Well, no, he passed away. Man, I am so sorry to hear that. And I'm, I'm assuming your, your mom's probably going to keep the house, right? Well, no, we don't have, uh, I don't have a mom. Oh, so what are you planning on doing? You know what I mean? Like now it's like, I don't know what I'm going to do with the house. Oh, what a coincidence I called you then. You know, so it's a way that you kind of just build that rapport and get the, those conversations going that is going to get you, um, you know, it, again, like kind of like with the, you were saying before, it's like you can't reach out to them and be like, hey, sorry that you just lost somebody. What are you going to do with the house? They're always going to get pissed. The one thing I do, I am very transparent with, is when I call foreclosures. With foreclosures, I call them up and I'm telling them like, hey, I, I, it's come across my desk that your property is about to be foreclosed on, on April 2nd. Are you interested in learning how it is that you can stop this foreclosure and save your home? Why do I use that line? Because if I call people and I tell them, are you, do you want to sell your house? Ooh, they're going to curse me out. And they have. And then all of a sudden they talk about Jesus. I was like, not with that mouth. Um, but the, the good thing with people is that, you know, you got to understand the mindset, right? They're in foreclosures because they do not want to let go of their home. And you're over here calling them like, hey, I know you're going to lose it. Give it to me. You know, and it's like, no, you're going to piss them off. So what I do is I offer them a chance to save their home. Am I lying? Nope. Because I do help them to try to save their home. What I'm helping them to see is whether or not they can actually save their home or not. And I'm helping them realize that sooner rather than later. Because the further they wait, they will lose it and they will lose any and all the equity they have in that property. So I walk them through a series of questions that we like to ask on, you know, okay, your first bet is, can you take care of the reinstatement? Can you catch up all the payments? No, I don't have money for that. I understand. Do you have anybody you can borrow that money from? Any relatives? They're like, no, I don't have anybody like that. All right. Next thing. Uh, can you afford, what happened? Like, 
did you fall behind on payments? Like, what, what caused that problem? Yeah, I lost my job. You know, the pandemic, especially all these things. Got it. Now you're good? No, I'm not good. I, I still don't have a job. So you couldn't even make the mortgage payment even if it was caught up. Right. Mm, interesting. Okay. Well, the other thing you could do is a loan modification. But with where interest rates are now and the fact that you can't even make your payments, I doubt you're going to be able to qualify for a loan mod. And a loan mod can take six to nine months, maybe longer. Depends on the lender. Your foreclosure is in a month. Oh, but I'm in the process of a loan mod. <laughs> process doesn't mean that stopping your foreclosure. Until a loan mod goes through, you can still get foreclosed when you're right in the middle of a loan modification. So what happens with all this conversation? I'm showing them they don't have an option. Because we're going through all the possible scenarios. And they know they can't do it. So what do they, usually what ends up happening? They tell me, man, it just seems like the only option I have is to sell it. Seems like that to me too. I can help you with that. Right? So this whole time, we've had an amazing conversation. I know everything about what, what their pain points are. I understand what just happened. I understand what's happening. So all of these things are helping them see the problem they have at hand that they've been trying to pretend doesn't exist. Because that's why people fall into foreclosure. They pretend this problem is just going to go away. The amount of times I've had people tell me, it's okay, I'll figure it out. You mind sharing with me how? Like, how do you think you're going to figure this out? I don't know. Let's think through it. I'm here to help you. Carry your options. That I've, I've helped hundreds of people with soft foreclosures. Here's the way we've done it. Which one do you qualify for? Well, none. How else are you going to stop it? I'm here to help you. Like, let's, let's hash this out. Let's, let's brainstorm together. How can you stop this? At the end of the day, they're like, I don't think I can. I don't think either. But now I'm giving them enough time that we can do something with it. Right? The amount of people that are losing $50,000, $70,000 in equity just because they're refusing to acknowledge that they're about to lose their home is tremendous. And to me, that makes no sense. I'm like, guys, that's fifty grand in your pocket. You really telling me that you'd rather walk away? And they're like, well, no. I just don't want to lose my house. Well, you're going to lose it. I'm sorry. You're going to lose it. I'm not taking it, taking it from you, but you're going to lose it. You understand? So we're here to help them out as much as we can. But sometimes there are people that still, I don't care. I want to see them come and take it. I'm like, you want to see them come and take it? Like, <laughs> what are you going to smack them? Like, what are you going to do? <laughs> you know, the sheriff's going to show up and they're going to put you out on the street and they're not going to care. You understand? Like, what are you gonna do? I'm not. I'm not trying to be funny. I'm just trying to show you. Like, this is all your all your reasoning is not accurate. I'm trying to show you what the truth is. You know, my kids learned to walk in this house. And do you think your kids want to see you out on the street? Versus you having money in your pocket that you can go somewhere else. You understand? Like, help them see those things. We're here to help. So this is something that you gotta understand as as agents. You can do these deals and transactions as real estate agents. You just have to come at it as an investor first. All right? Because if you come at it as an agent, you have fiduciary responsibilities to that client. You can put it for sale for them, but now the problem is timing. Right? So if you're in a time crunch and they're trying to get fair market value, you're not going to. 
You understand? Unless it's at a very competitive price point. Uh, my experience has been a lot of these foreclosures, they're not just behind on payments, but they're also distressed. So a chance for that home to be listed on the market at full value and sell is going to be very, very tough.